Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Listening live. The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, Godders. Welcome to another edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. This is the preview for the Russell Athletic Bowl. I am Bart Keeler, recording from the heart of college football. You can follow me on Twitter at Bartimus Prime, and you can find me on our website, smokingmusket.com, as Bartimus Prime as well. Rejoining me tonight is a contributor at smokingmusket.com. You can find him there as John Low 24 and on Twitter at John Everett 24 John, welcome back to the podcast. How have you been? I have been pretty good, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, Morgantown over winter break is kind of boring. Um, <laughs> I, I had to drop my sister off at her apartment yesterday um, on, on the evening of Christmas, and she lives on High Street, and I swear I was – I parallel parked in front of it. I closed my car door, and there was an echo. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's so – it's like when, when everyone leaves Morgantown, it's like it's like being in Grafton. Wow. <laughs> <There's>, wow. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty amped to watch this bowl game. Well, yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of bowls that we can watch. I mean, I suppose I, I was watching this uh, Maryland Boston College thing earlier today. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I mean. It's it, it is what it is. But yeah, I, we got a bowl game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bowl game is actually I, entertaining. I think. I don't, I don't know, man. I was watching Miami of Ohio and Mississippi State. That oh, was yeah. relatively entertaining too. That so was, I mean, that was entertaining, man. That was a that was a fourth <laughs> game. Actually, you know. The, the the BYU game was actually really fun to watch. I I um I flipped it off for a while. Um, I was watching I think some basketball. I don't remember who, but like I flipped it off for a while, and then I turned on like, whoa, this is a yeah. good game. Um, and it was like that was just a good day to watch because the Kentucky Louisville basketball game was that That's day too. Right, that so. was that game. Yep. Yeah, and um, the the uh, the one in Boise, Idaho, was pretty fun too because it was high scoring. Um, it was like two Big Twelve teams playing yeah. it was Idaho and Colorado State, and it was like, wow, this is. I was flipping between that and the Giants Eagles game, and like, wow, it was a good bowl game. They, see, people have been talking about how bowl games like don't mean anything anymore, but I mean, that, to these small schools, they kind of do. So I'm okay when like lower, like when the group of five teams, like when those conferences get an extra bowl game or two. That's okay with me because a lot of those, you know, a lot of the teams in those conferences, they don't, their records aren't that great because they're, you know, they play these higher level teams that they're supposed to lose to. That's not really fair, but, you know, they still had a good season. Give them a bowl game. Let them go to Birmingham, Alabama, or Idaho. You know, I mean, why not? It's yeah. when you have five and seven Mississippi State and then six and six Boston College and six and six Maryland playing against each other where I'm like, what, what, why? 
why are they in a bowl game? I like I was talking to my dad last night, and I I I, I this is gonna be groundbreaking here on this podcast. I created the ultimate postseason system for the for the you know the Power Five. Okay. Because like if, if like if the Group of Five wants to have their own bowl game thing, like that's fine because it, it means a lot more to them. But way the way I set it up, I made it like the NFL playoffs. You have twelve teams make the playoff. Okay. Um, you take each of the Power Five conference champions. They they get automatic bids. Okay. You get one of the champions from either the American or the Mountain West, because really those two conferences, like they're better than the Group of Five, but they're not as good as the Power Five. So I'll take one of those. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. 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 So you know either Temple or Boise State or someone like that, and then you get like one of the you know, other three, you know, Conference USA, Sunbelt, and, uh, Mount, uh, what, uh, Mac. There we go. Um, <laughs> that, and, that uh, yeah. And then, um, so that would, that, that's what, uh, seven teams. Yeah. And then you get five at large. And then, like, you do this, like, the f- top four get buys into the, to the, uh, yeah. to, the to the, either the, the, and the, to the quarterfinal bowl games. And then the, the, the other eight get to have to play in these play-in bowls. And I had the play-in bowls. I had them the Alamo Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the Gator Bowl, and the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Okay. And then and then I had the quarterfinals. I had that the Peach, the Fiesta, um, the Cotton, and the Orange. Okay, so and, like kind of what we have now, yeah. Yeah, and then the semifinals would be the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and that would be on New Year's Day okay. regardless. And then you have then, a Yeah, then they have a national championship. You would start it. You would start the playoffs the week after the Army Navy game, and then it would end, um, you know, a week after New Year's. I mean, that, that I feel like, and then and then you know, in terms of Power Five, like get rid of all the other bowl games, because yeah. I mean, it's I mean, as a Power Five team, like if you are if you are I don't know if you're Kentucky, like it's kind of hard to get up for the Gator Bowl if you're playing six and six Georgia Tech or something. Well, they're eight like, and four. Or you know, you know <laughs> what I mean, and. Yeah. The way I figured it was, like, if you take the, you know, other than those two, you know, group of five bids I gave, you're really thinking about the top ten. And if you're outside of the top ten, you're not you're not a national title contender anyway. Well, and so, even, I mean, there are years where you have, I mean, you saw Western Michigan this year, but you have Temple and Boise State this year that had good teams. So, I mean, they're not far outside of the top ten. Yeah, and it would give them a chance to kind of mingle with the power five. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I know another wrinkle I added to that system is that the teams got reseeded after each round. So similar to the, the um, NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, make it, yeah, make it like the NFL. It would probably, you know, it would, I mean, ESPN would probably, you know, foam at the mouth because they're all about ratings and it would, instead of giving them, you know, three games worth of high ratings, it would give them, you know, four weeks. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure I'll, after, after our bowl game and before the playoffs, I'll probably put out some article about there this. You go. Like, putting it in greater detail about how it should be. Maybe SB Nation picks it up. Who knows? But, I mean, I feel like that would be a way to just kind of end it. There are a lot of ways to explain it. We don't have all yeah. that time to talk about that on the <laughs> podcast. But I do think that uh, you're on to something. And, you know, if you could write a, an article there, that would be entertaining. And you can check out uh, maybe that. Or you could check out more content on SmokingMusket.com where you can find this podcast and daily news and opinions about WVU sports. Um, also, make sure you're subscribing and downloading us on iTunes. Make sure to rate us there. Subscribe to The Smoking Musket on YouTube and follow at Smoking Musket on Twitter and like The Smoking Musket on Facebook so you can stay up to date with everything that we have going on. Uh, John. Yeah. <laughs> here's, what, 
Here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the Russell Athletic Bowl matchup against Miami. Um, then I sat down with Susan Miller-Degnan from the Miami Herald to talk about the Miami Hurricanes and the season that they had. And then in part three, uh, John and I are going to talk about WVU basketball's non-conference slate and preview the Big 12 Conference opener at Oklahoma State and then uh, Texas Tech the week after that. So that's the lineup for tonight. Um, John, we've got an exciting bowl game to talk about, but before we do that, let me hit some headlines so that we can all kind of be caught up on what's going on in the world of WVU sports. We got we got 15 minutes into the Russell Athletic Bowl podcast, and we didn't even bring up Miami. I know. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not against that, to be honest. I still have a lot of hate for Miami. <laughs> well, let's hit some headlines. WVU basketball finished its non-conference slate with wins against Radford and Northern Kentucky, and despite the Mountaineers not looking good in either game. They downed the Highlanders 84-57 and the Norse 92-61. The Mountaineers are now 11-1 on the season and ranked uh, number 11 in the AP poll and number 12 in the coaches poll. WVU will open up Big 12 play at Oklahoma State on Friday, December 30th at 4 p.m. So uh, you can watch that on ESPN2, I believe. The women's basketball team closed out its non-conference late with a 77-45 win over Mount St. Mary's to push their record to 12-0, perfect on the season. They are now ranked number 12 in the AP poll, and they open up Big 12 play on Thursday, December 29th, at TCU at 7.30. On the heels of Dana Holgerson receiving a contract extension, Tony Gibson has been signed for three more years as WVU football's defensive coordinator and associate head coach. The deal will run through uh, 2019 and totals uh, $2.7 million plus incentives, so that's about $900,000 a year plus on incentives. Um, John, before we get really to dive into the Big 12 or into the bowl, I just want to get your thought real quick about Tony Gibson being uh, re-signed for three years as defensive coordinator. I think it's uh, I think it was needed, and I think it's great because if I mean I, Tony Gibson is from here, he's from West Virginia. And I think he has a lot of loyalty here, and he, he really likes it here. But I think if the number had been high enough, he could have gone somewhere else but a head coach. Um, I, you know, maybe... I actually think that uh, – I'm not saying I know him personally. Let's not. But, like, I just don't get the aspiration of, oh, I want to go be a, a big head coach. But I do think a bigger team, a bigger program, could have lured him away as a, uh, a defensive coordinator, to be honest. If yeah. they had the I money mean... was right. <laughs> if the money is right, I, that's what it could, it could have happened. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, if it were me, I'd rather be a coordinator at a good, you know. If, I mean, West Virginia's got some good going on right now. I mean, really, right. I mean, we've got uh, the future is bright in Morgantown. Um, but I mean, we we just saw one of these WTF hires with with Lane Kiffin. Um, so I mean, yeah. maybe I mean, he, who knows what could have happened? I mean, he could have ended up. God forbid, he could have ended up in Marshall. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. Or, you know, he could have gone to, say, an FCS school and gone to, like, uh, I don't know, um, you know, he could have gone to somewhere in the region, you know, because he's got that clout and he can re- he can still, you know, recruit this region. So I, I, 900000 a year is a good number. It's hard to beat that by, you know, unless you break the million dollars and then, you know, hopefully it keeps him here. But I mean, I, it's great. I think it's great for you know our defense is great for recruiting because I mean 
the the idea of stability really i mean you, you got to think that helps recruiting you know no no high school kid is going to come or if, no smart high school kid is going to come out of uh, you know, a really, really big high school in Florida or, you know, Pennsylvania and think, well, this coach may not be here when I graduate. So, right. I mean, you know, I might not be playing under his system, you know, next year. So, um, I mean, I think, I think it was, it was something that was needed, but it, I mean, it was, it was great. It was, it was great to more or less lock him down. Yeah. And it, again, it secures kind of the uh, future of the program with Dana Holgerson signing for five more years and now Tony Gibson with three more years. Obviously, a coordinator is not going to sign on for as long as a head coach, but still uh, some, some stability with the program. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into the bowl games because, you know, it's it bowl season. It's finally after Christmas. We can talk about decent bowl games, I suppose. Um, before we get into ours, I will give you the Big 12 bowl schedule just so that everyone knows what's going on. Um, first off, uh, the first Big 12 bowl game, is Tuesday, December 27th. That's Baylor taking on Boise State in the Botel Six Cactus Bowl out in Phoenix and Chase Field. You may remember we played there last year. Uh, John, Baylor, can they beat Boise State, or is Boise State going to beat Baylor? I don't think Baylor is going to win another game. I think... Ever? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. they got a decent coach now. Uh, so I don't I, like that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that just this year with everything they've gone through and I don't really think they're thinking about this bowl game and Boise yeah. State. I mean, they're really. I'm sure they're excited. You know, even though Baylor is kind of half of what it used to be, um, they're, I'm sure they're pretty hyped to play a Power Five team. Yeah. So I, I don't see Baylor winning. I, I just they need to work on themselves right now, and, and that's just you know. they're breaking up so they can work on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Cactus Bowl is not on their minds right now. Right. Right. On Wednesday, December 28th, uh, that'll be uh, the same day that we play our bowl game. Kansas State matches up against Texas A&M in the Advocare V100 Texas Bowl in NRG Stadium in Houston. Uh, This matchup is very interesting. You have the slow, methodical Kansas State uh, power offense with the Texas A&M kind of fun-and-gun revamp offense. Uh, Not quite what Steve Spurrier runs, but, I mean, it's definitely fun and it's it's fast-paced. So, uh, Big 12 versus SEC, the first of, uh, of two matches or three matchups we have against that conference. Uh, how do you see this one shaking down? A&M big. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think, and not, not, I mean, not so much because of the, you know, the X and O's, but it, you know, it's Houston. Yeah. College Station, Texas to Houston is as Morgantown is to Pittsburgh. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, I mean, they're, yeah. Uh, and plus, I am a uh, a lot of my family lives just outside of Houston. They are Texas A and M people. I have a Texas A and M keychain, um, <laughs> so I I mean I, I I can't really go with K State in this one. Um, but I mean even even if I weren't even if I were neutral, I'd still think A and M would win. Yeah, I, I think I think Kansas State has had a, a sneaky good season, but I think it's just because they're consistent. And if A and M can get on a good day, they're they're very dangerous. Um, Moving on, Thursday, December 29th, Oklahoma State and Colorado will square off in the Valero Alamo Bowl there in San Antonio's Alamo Dome. I like Oklahoma State. I think they're a much better football team than Colorado is. Uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, I was – I mean, even though they lost uh, the Pac-12 championship, I was watching it. Um, I was really impressed with Colorado's quarterback, Lufau. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought he – it's going to be more of a game than people think it will be. And oh, yeah. This is going to be the best non 
uh, you know, probably one of the better bowl games, even, you know, considering the playoff and the New Year's Six and all that. Um, I, and, and the Alamo Bowl, the Alamo Dome, like, that's a really sound, you know, I mean, that, that that's, think, think Seattle Seahawks, think, um, yes. you know, Kansas City Chiefs, I like, it's that loud, I mean, it's, 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 it's loud, and, yeah. and, um, I, I think it'll be Oklahoma State, but very, very close. I think um, we're. I think we're. I want to say a shootout, but I definitely think we'll see a very uh, higher scoring game, very tight coming down to the end. I just. I feel like. I feel like Oklahoma State has the offense that can win it, and a defense that can at least just. I don't think Colorado's offense is all that good. Um, it's not good enough to beat Oklahoma State, but that's just my thought. Um, Friday, December thirtieth, TCU takes on my least favorite team. Georgia and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Uh, got to go there a couple years ago when West Virginia played A&M. I honestly don't have any read on this game. I'd like to think that TCU can beat them, but both these teams have just been disappointing this year from a, uh, an expectations perspective. Can we get another win, or can we get a win against the SEC in this game? I think so. And, and wait, were you at that game too? I, I was at that game. Yeah, I was at the WVU A&M game there in, uh, in the Liberty Bowl. It was me and Smitty and then... Uh, Random Pretty was there as well. It was fun. Yeah, it was. It was uh, me and my mom. <laughs> the game yeah, yeah. itself, the second half was terrible. The first half was great. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all in all, it was a pretty good game. Um, I mean, except for the fact that we lost, but uh, it was entertaining. Yeah, and and hopefully, if any TCU fans are, are listening, which I doubt, but uh, uh, enjoy the concessions there because it's it's Memphis. And, yeah, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hit well, up. Hit up. I will say, yeah, yeah, I will say this to, uh, to, to TCU fans because they're used to, obviously, Texas barbecue, but Memphis ribs are by far the best rib style of barbecue, and I know that's kind of blasphemous to say to some Texas folks, especially, you know, guys from Fort Worth, but go try the Memphis barbecue ribs. They're, they're phenomenal, uh, and Beale Street's a blast. Don't go outside of Beale Street, but Beale Street and Peabody Square is a blast. Yeah, I, uh, B.B. <laughs> King's Cafe. Yeah. Um, it's yes. The, the yeah the ribs there were some of the best I've ever had in my life so um, but yeah I, I think uh, uh, getting back to the game <laughs> uh, I think uh, TCU will, will win narrowly um, mainly because it's the SEC and yeah. everyone's gonna think that Georgia's just gonna win and I just you know well I think it, it, I don't think game no I don't think Georgia does not have an offense to really speak of this year um, I know everyone's excited because their two big running backs are coming back but. I mean, TCU still has the ability to put up points, and if they can get, if they can get to thirty points, I don't think Georgia can beat them, and I don't think Georgia has the defense to stop them from getting to thirty points. So, there you yeah. go. Uh, I'm and, very underwhelmed with Kirby Smart too. I, I, I don't think it's a Kirby Smart thing. I think this is just what happens when you change coaches, personally. But yeah. you know, that's a time for another podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> um, the final Big 12 bowl game, Monday, January 2nd, Oklahoma represents the Big 12 in the All-State Sugar Bowl against SEC's Auburn in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Now, your gut's going to tell you that Oklahoma should just roll all over Auburn, and you're probably right. <laughs> and that's yeah. what mine is telling me. I I think, and in, in it's such BS that Auburn is in a big bowl at 8-4. and four. Yep. Is, Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I mean nothing against Auburn. It's a good school, but it's debatable. I mean, come on, man. I no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Should've... sad, you know, but this is the big and mighty SEC when not one team is better than you know. You have Alabama at thirteen and zero, and then everyone else is eight and four or, or worse. Yeah. Uh, I just... 
Yeah. I'm not sold on the conference this year. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's an SEC bias thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, no SEC team deserves to be in a major bowl game this year, just because the SEC, I mean, other than Alabama, of course, but uh, Oklahoma is going to steamroll them, I think. And, and, uh, Oklahoma, I think is going to be pretty inspired to kind of try to, you know, really put a hurt on Auburn because of, I could be wrong, but I think because of the Big 12 thing, because just just like West Virginia should be, yeah. just because Oklahoma State should be, the, the Big 12 is so disrespected, and that a lot of these games that the Big 12 plays, they win ugly. You know, yep. the, like West Virginia wins ugly, so does Oklahoma. Um, so I, I think Oklahoma is just going to knock the crap out of Auburn. Well, I think also Bob Stoops, he's not like he's he won't let on that he is this way, but he hates the SEC and he will take on. Well, he does let on that he hates the SEC <laughs> and he he wants to put a beat down. I feel like he wants to put a beat down on an SEC school. So I, I think Oklahoma rolls. Uh, I think Joe Mixon and, and Samaj P. Ryan, you know, bludgeon the Auburn uh, front four. Is, is Joe Mixon even going to be in that game? As far as I know, he's playing. He's already served his time being, quote, suspended for the actions he did. I think that's the confusing part to this whole Joe Mixon saga is what's going on now is a result of the civil case that he's facing, not the criminal charges. He's already supposedly been convicted and served his penance for the the criminal charges against, you know, for bashing the face in of a woman. um, Yeah. Because apparently if whatever i don't want to get into that he's uh, yeah i mean i i didn't know if yeah he he, he well what had happened was they they redshirted him for a year which i guess is the same as suspended that that to me is where the sec or the uh, ncaa needs to come in and he maybe even the big 12 needs to come in and say no 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 no. that red shirt doesn't count that is a suspension because of what he did and he does not get to redeem that year of eligibility yeah i uh, i don't know i mean i think um I, this should really be, I mean, and we can have a whole podcast on this, but the, this almost seems like it should be like a Ray Rice type scenario yeah. where like it happened a while ago, but the video came out and then we realized how bad it was. Like, right. That, this is really what should have been going on. Well, like, what, you know. yeah, the video, not being able to see the video, I don't think a lot, obviously a lot of people weren't able to see it firsthand, but I mean, when you, if you were to read the police report and everything, I mean, the, the woman had broken face face bones so clearly it was bad and again he got suspended slash redshirted so he wasn't really punished and that's my problem is that from a football perspective he wasn't really punished i'm i am half on bob stoop side of saying look we want to keep him and actually like make sure that he learns from his mistake and try to steer him in the right direction i think a lot of college football coaches do that because they do feel father figure like to these kids but he's not getting any real punishment and in fact you know he criminally i think he had to pay a fine maybe and he i think he served like community service and stuff and had to go to counseling so i mean it's not like he's even getting a huge a a huge uh penalty when it comes to uh, criminal stuff so i don't know these are all part of the civil suit that he has to deal with and uh you know that obviously can cost a lot more than a criminal charge, but I, I just, from what I know, he's playing. And that's all I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 mean, 
I, I I've been kind of out of it. I could change tomorrow, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're we're a, we're a reactionist kind of society, so I'm sure something will come up before uh, January second. Well, uh, let's talk about our bowl game. Yeah, <laughs> the, you know we've got the Mountaineers posting a ten and two record in the regular season, going seven and two in the Big Twelve Conference, getting rewarded with a trip to the Russell Athletic Bowl to play the Miami Hurricanes. The Canes are eight and four on the season. They were. Um... Now I have to think about this. <laughs> Sorry, I had their. I thought I had their conference record one. They're uh, they're eight and four, and I believe they're uh, five and three in the five ACC. Five and three in the ACC, yeah. Yeah, because so, I mean, yeah, the, the the they lost uh, yeah. Florida State, North Carolina, yep. Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's not a not technically an ACC team. So, the Hurricanes uh, are eight and four in the season. They were five and three in the ACC conference. Uh, they do also have a loss to Notre Dame, so we can laugh at them for that. Um, <laughs> Now, I think the big news coming into this game, and this is kind of weird. We just talked about the Joe Mixon, if he was playing or not. Miami has suspended seven players for this game. Now, I think six of them aren't really starters, and I think one is a starter who's a linebacker. But um, when I talked to a lot of them were, uh, I think four were offensive and three were defensive players. And when I talked to Susan Miller-Degnan the other day, one of the problems that Miami has had defensively this year is depth. They've had a lot of injuries, so these you know, three or four suspensions on the defensive side of the ball will affect their depth. Now, on the flip side, West Virginia, as far as we know, other than, you know, some injuries that uh, we had early in the season, we have no suspensions or we did not lose any player to any academic problems or off-the-field problems. So that is good. And I tell you what, Mountaineer fans, you guys want to harp on how, you know, all these things about Dana Holgerson, this is huge. The fact that the man was able to, you know, between him and Tony and all the other coaches, you know, who were able to keep the kids in line, no one suspended or anything like that coming into a bowl game is huge because that is a sign of good academic progress. Good job to the people there in the uh, Student Athlete Support Center and to keep these kids eligible. That's huge. I just wanted to put that out there. But we don't have anyone missing really for the game. So um, with that said, um, what are your initial thoughts as we go in as you know, what did you think of when we got announced that we we're going to play Miami and the Russell Athletic Bowl? Um, well, I mean, I kind of had like a, I mean, I, I knew we were going to be in that bowl game. I did not think we were going to play Miami. I thought we were going to play. I don't think like, so either. I thought we were going to play Louisville yeah. or, or some, someone like that, which would have been nice because that would have, you know, if we had beaten Louisville, that would have been nice. Now that I think about it, I don't know if we could have. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I think about it, you know, about the match between West Virginia and Miami. West Virginia, if a couple other things had gone the wrong way, they would be eight and four. And if for Miami, if a couple things had gone their way, like against Florida State or Notre Dame, they'd be ten and two. So, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's 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 a pretty good matchup. Um, it just you know from from at first glance, it's kind of like ugh, Miami. Uh, okay, uh, it's kind of a slap in the face, but it's not really. It's 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 really it should be a good matchup and kind of excited for i mean it's 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 um, it's easier for me to get excited to play miami in a bowl game that people can actually from west virginia and the region can actually go to right unlike last year when we're playing arizona state right at, you know a baseball field jerry rigged to look like a football stadium yeah I, I i'm i'm much more excited about this game and you know just because it's called the russell athletic bowl it actually is a a a you know second tier decent bowl game right it, it 
it's it's kind of like the Gator Bowl. Like the, the Gator Bowl has gone downhill. This one's kind of gone uphill. So this is basically the Gator Bowl now. Right. I mean, so. obviously, this is the second biggest game that this particular stadium is going to hold that also holds the Citrus Bowl game. But it's still a huge matchup for the Mountaineers and the Hurricanes. I mean, it's a it's a huge opportunity for this team to get 11 wins. It's a huge opportunity to be in a Florida bowl game, which any time, to me, any time your season ends playing in Florida in December, that's a good season, in my in my opinion. Yeah, just ask 5-7 uh, and seven Mississippi State. <laughs> right. I mean, hey, it's a good thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we're playing after Christmas, which in this new bowl setup is a good thing. Um, I, I, I mean, I feel like people who complain about it are stupid. Um, I think this is a much more winnable game than, say, Louisville or like what other people wanted Virginia Tech. I think this is very winnable, even though the numbers don't say it. Um, I think West Virginia has a good shot in this game. Um, any any other thoughts before we dive into you know some statistics and X's and O's talk? Um, I don't know if anyone saw um, those this video that some Miami fan um, put out. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah, Bart knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, don't stoop to his level please like just be like just don't just don't stoop like if you're if you see miami fans in orlando just please don't stoop to his level don't make us look bad i i mean you know come on be better than that be better than that but you know uh i, I mean if, if you haven't seen it uh i'm sure it's out there somewhere i'm sure someone has a link to it just please watch it i'm not gonna it's kind of make funny. references to it because it is crass but it is hilarious um, well, I yeah, think, I think it's fun to kind of revamp this uh, hatred. I mean, really, no one. Look, I know everyone wanted to, everyone wanted to play Pitt or you know Virginia Tech or even Louisville, to, you know, for rivalry purposes. People forget, you know, we used to hate Miami, and for a lot of reasons. I wouldn't call it a rivalry because you know you kind of have to beat teams on occasion for it to be a rivalry, but. Some of the best games that we can remember in Mountaineer history came against Miami, specifically that, you know, 1993 game with Robert Walker running around the end and scoring a touchdown to beat them. I mean, they're, they're an old conference opponent. They used to be a very good football program. They're on the way up. We've got a chance to beat a name-brand team. Man, and it's, it happens to be Miami. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, and, and uh, another thing um, that was really great about this matchup, and it actually came in a loss, it was the last time we played him, 2003, Quincy yeah. Wilson, yeah. the run. Oh, my goodness. That was that was the first – okay, for people listening, I am 21 years old. Back in 2003, I was, I think, eight. So that was, like, the first, like, real football game that I actually really remember watching. Quincy Wilson, my God. Like, wow. Yeah. That was – Yeah. I remember so. I remember watching that run, and I then remember that oh crap we scored too quickly. But uh, <laughs> you know I, I think it's exciting to revamp this. Now the interest I think the reason the the numbers say that Miami has a great offense and a very good defense, but I'm going to try to explain to you all how I don't buy into the fact that they have as great a defense as they think they have. Now, and I don't think they have as great of offense as people seem to think they have. I think they're very porous up front, and I think that. Other than Brad Kaya, they don't have playmakers. Brad Kaya is a great quarterback. I don't really feel like he has a lot of great talent around him. I, I do think that'll change in, in the Mark Richt era, but right now I just don't see him has, being super talented. So Brad Kaya has thrown for 3,250 yards this year. Uh, he has 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions, so he does not turn the ball over. 
they score a lot of points, they score a lot of touchdowns. But to me, they haven't played any real stifling defenses. You look at their schedule, they, I mean, the games they lost were Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame. In all four games they lost, and that's the kind of the weird thing about Miami's season two. They started off 4-0, then they went... Uh, then they lost four in a row, and then they ended their season with four wins in a row against Pitt, Virginia, and uh, NC State, and Duke. I don't think the ACC outside of – actually, I don't really think anyone in the ACC has a great defense. I think Louisville has a good defense. I think Virginia Tech's defense is all right. I don't think they've played any I good I think Florida defense. State's is okay. Florida, Florida State's. State's is okay. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one too. But I'm not saying we're a great defense, but our defense is very good. And the numbers may not support that, but you look at, I mean, you just look at the eyeball test and see what we've been able to do against big 12 teams who put up a lot more points than what Miami puts up. And I'm just saying, I feel like Miami's offense is vastly overrated. Now this could completely ter- prove me wrong, but I don't know. What, uh, what do you see from offensively from Miami? Uh, am I wrong? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not really that impressed with their offense either, because if you look at some of their, High scoring games. It's it's not like you know. It's not like they were really playing anybody. I mean, they were playing Appalachian State and Florida A and M. And yeah, they scored uh, seventy against A and Florida A and M, which is fun. yeah. And Pitt, I mean, I, I'll I'll give them credit. They scored fifty one against Pitt, but I mean, it, Pitt doesn't Syracuse. exactly have. Yeah, I mean, Pitt exactly doesn't have the best defense. So I mean, it's not like I, I you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Syracuse scored like what sixty plus yeah. at Pitt. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not like Pitt is a that raucous of a home atmosphere, but well, they were. Uh, I think they were in the Carrier Dome actually. Oh, but were still, they? Uh, still, I mean, it was yeah. a basketball game in the Carrier Dome. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not impressed. I mean, their numbers are very good, but they're also eight and four. Now, when you look at their schedule, those four games they lost, Notre Dame was their highest point output, and that was only 27 points. Every when they lost to Florida State, they scored 19 points. Scored 13 against North Carolina. Scored 16 against Virginia Tech. Now, our offense has struggled to actually convert points all season. So, from a from a keys to the game perspective, we'll talk about that later, we've got to actually score points. But, they haven't seen an offense like ours, in my opinion. I don't think anyone on their schedule, other than maybe Florida State, maybe you could say that North Carolina plays the off- a little bit of an offense like we do, maybe Virginia Tech, but no one plays offense the way we do. And by that, I mean, we ran the ball. I was looking at these numbers, and we ran the ball like 530-some times this year, which is 100 times more than Miami saw all season. So I don't know if they're prepared. I mean, I know they saw Dalvin Cook, and he's a great running back. Do not do not get me wrong, but – other than that, I don't feel like they've faced an offense with the weapons that we have. Right. I mean, and then another thing I, I kind of want to mention, like, those losses, those, those four losses, I mean, it came after a heartbreaking loss at home to Florida State. Yep. The only argument I kind of want to bring here is that how much of those losses were mental? Yeah. Um, yeah. How much of, you know, how, how much of that was, well, now that we're not really in the conversation anymore, what's the point? Right. Um, so, or how do you get, yeah, it's kind of like you need, to, you, you're in a funk and you, it's hard to break out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like now that they're kind of a little bit of a, on a little bit of a roll now, they had a good month of November. You know, what, what, what does that bring? I, um, you know, we can talk about statistics all day, but I mean, if you, if you talk about just kind of like the general feeling of the team, 
you know, what what is that? And, and West Virginia, I mean, I'm, I'm, I cannot imagine that they're that hyped to be, you know, the team itself, they're that hyped to be playing Miami. So yeah. I... I, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be like a 35 to 31 kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. And it could swing either way. It could swing either way. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, Miami, I, th- I will give Miami this t- to their credit. They are a good team. They have good players on both sides of the ball who, I mean, this has been what they've done all year. They, I mean, they only have 10 turnovers in the 12 games they've played. So they're averaging, you know, less than a turnover a game. Um that's that's huge, especially when you look at the Mountaineers, who we have had a tendency to give the ball up in bunches. Looking at you, Skylar Howard. So that could be a huge key in this game: is can we hold on to the ball? Um, you've you've seen up close a little bit better than I have. Good Skylar and bad Skylar. Um, you know, we just wanted to be not bad Skylar. I think in this game, and we've asked that all season. And he hasn't really been able to deliver it's either been one or the other but um i don't i don't know i i feel like when our offense is rolling it can be it can outpower what miami has to offer the thing that is good about west virginia is that west virginia when scott when skylar howard is bad the offense and you know like the team as a whole is kind of built to withstand him having a bad game Right, right um so I mean that 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 is one thing that I, I think really people don't really talk about when they talk about the team. When Skyler comes out and he's not very good sometimes, and and I, I'm not here to bash Skyler. I think you know he came he came into kind of a difficult situation, and you know he's not he was not designed to be a great quarterback in the first place. And the way he managed to bring a West Virginia team to ten and two, I applaud him for that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean this this kid that the, the best offer he got out of high school was Stephen F. Austin. I yep. mean I, how he managed to, you know, come to West Virginia, become to a better power. Austin, what kind of school is that? What hey, do they do? I mean, you know, <laughs> I was in I was in their area whenever they lost, or whenever they beat West Virginia. Uh, so I had, I had to hear like all twelve alumni brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, I I think. I don't know if Miami is built to withstand a bad Brad Kaya or a, a lackluster Brad Kaya the way West Virginia is built to withstand a bad Scott right. Howard. So right. I, I think just the if you're looking at strength on strength, I think West Virginia wins. I mean, not not big, but no, no, no. I know I, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think we have much top to bottom. We have more talent in our skill positions. To be quite honest, I mean. They have a they have a thousand yard rusher in Mark Walton. He's got fourteen touchdowns on the season, a thousand sixty five yards. Um, Joseph Yearby has seven touchdowns as well this season. I don't look at them and say, "Oh wow, they have good running game." The way I look at West Virginia and go, "We have been able to run the ball." Now, granted, our we have not seen defenses with the front seven that Miami has. Miami has some very good interior line play, but. Um, you know, I, I definitely look at our running attack as being much more potent than what Miami has faced all season. Again, they played Dalvin Cook, who's a phenomenal running back. They got James Conner. Then they were able to contain both of those. But, you know, how, how uh, we have three running backs, maybe even four now, that we have Petway, who's playing, who can run all over everybody. And they've proven that this year. 
so I'm, I'm interested to see how our running game and our offensive line matches up against a very strong front seven of Miami. Um, and again, I don't know if they've even – personally, I don't think that Miami has faced a, a, a group of wide receivers like we have. I, I don't think Florida State's got that great of talent on offense when it comes to the wide receiver position. I, uh, I mean, the Notre Dame's receiving core is pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's true. When but, they get the ball in their hand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Deshaun Kaiser is not exactly the best uh, no. guy you want under center. But I mean, yeah, they, 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 they. I think that was part of the reason why they lost to Notre Dame uh, is that Kaiser had a decent game, and yeah. and you know they they have great receivers. They have they're great on the long ball, and that's another that's another matchup. Um, West Virginia is good. On the long ball, you know that 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 yep. classic uh, uh, Howard Gibson down down the left sideline. Um, that that is something that I don't know if Miami's that good at defending. I don't know if their secondary is is good downfield. Yeah, they've they got are, a good you know. secondary, but I think their secondary is is good at making plays in front of them. Right. But yeah. what I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm an expert on Miami. I've watched a few of their games this year, but I. I, I Again, I think that when it comes to talent, and if we can get behind defenses, I think we can get we can have some success in the long ball. I agree. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend to know that I know a whole lot about Miami. I watched them play uh, Florida State, and I watched them play Virginia Tech. That's yeah. that's really all only two games I watched them play. But both losses. Yeah. Um, and, so that, yeah, I mean, I I do think. Look, Brad Kai is a, a good quarterback. His numbers say that. His the eye test play says that. But haven't we played good quarterbacks all year? Yeah. I mean, everyone in the big t- – I mean, you got Pat Mahomes, who's a good quarterback. You've got Baker Mason Mayfield, Rudolph. who's a good quarterback. You've got Mason Rudolph, who's a good quarterback. I mean, you could even make an argument that, you know, we play – well, we didn't play Seth Russell. But, uh, you know, we've we played good quarterbacks all year. Um, you know, granted, we lost to Rudolph and we lost to Baker Mayfield. I don't necessarily think those two t- guys beat us personally. Um I think those. Yeah, I think I think Baker Mayfield did. Baker Mayfield had a good game, but you know, I I still think yeah. (laughs) Oklahoma had a good game that game, but I I guess my point is, it's not like this is some you know we're not we're not Brad Kai is not a Heisman winner. He's not a phenomenal quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. I think he could go to the NFL this year and get drafted at least in the third round because of you know I just don't think it's a strong quarterback draft class, but. I don't necessarily see him as this phenomenal quarterback. I think he's very good, but I'm just saying I think we've seen quarter, good quarterbacks all year. That's all, that's that's my point. The the um, I'm going to bring up something that uh, Fox uh, NFL analyst Chris Carter he kind of used this reference. Um, Baker Mayfield is, would be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Brad Kaya would not. He's not. You know there is no Hall of the very good. Right. So. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. So, shout out to Chris Carter. Congratulations on getting a job at Fox. Because I, I, really, <laughs> I <enjoy laughs> it too. Yeah. I, I, I like what Fox. The, sidebar. I like what Fox is doing. They, they're getting all of the people that ESPN doesn't want anymore. Yep. Except for Skip Bayless. I can't stand that. Uh, show. Well, no one wants Skip Bayless. I don't yeah. know why they signed him, but okay, whatever. I don't know how that's. I don't know how that's a show, but whatever. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that's a good way to put it. Is Brad Kaya is, he's not in the hall. I mean, look, Baker Mayfield is a great quarterback because he's won a lot of games. 
you know, Brad Kaya hasn't won a whole lot, and you can argue a lot of things about that, but Baker Mayfield has won some games for his, his Oklahoma Sooners team, and I'm not saying Brad Kaya is a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that, you know, I don't feel like he's as good as people seem to think that he is, um, or as great as people seem to think he is. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that, you know, I don't think Miami has won as many games because of Brad Kaya right. as as Oklahoma has won because of Baker Mayfield. Right. Now, so. I, I think both of our teams, though, are very similar in the fact that you look at our schedules, and for the most part, I mean, even specifically West Virginia, we've beaten the teams we should beat, and our two losses are to teams that clearly, as you look at the entire season, are better than us. Miami is kind of the same way. Their eight wins... I mean, the only win that really stands out to me is the Pitt, the Pitt win. Um, and that's, that's because Pitt has had a decent season. Um, but nothing, no other win it really jumps off the page. I mean, they beat Georgia Tech, which, you know, they're 8-4. and four. Pitt's 8-4. and four. Uh, You know, but their other wins are Virginia, NC State, Duke. I mean, App State's a decent win, but I, nothing jumps off the page. But when you ask me what's West Virginia's best win, I don't, Youngstown State. I mean, I don't know, BYU. BYU, no, B, we'll give BYU as our best win so far this season. Um, and K-State K kind of ended up being a good win. Yeah, that, like, that kind of quietly ended up being a good win. Um, so, yeah, I, but you get my point. You know, it's not like yeah. we, we both have, I mean, we both have wins that it's like, okay, cool. But I will say they had, I mean, their losses, their big stupid losses, obviously Notre Dame. They, mm. I mean, that was a loss that you go, you look at the schedule and go, that is a loss they should not have. But Florida State, okay, you lose to Florida State, so what? Um, Virginia Tech, not a bad loss. You know, they're in the ACC championship game. North Carolina is a good football team. You know, they they were in the ACC championship game last year. They are, you know, a pretty decent team this year at eight and four. But you know, how good are they actually? I don't know. They're eight and four. But you know, that's a so loss that okay, you lost that game. So. Their, other than the Notre Dame game, their losses aren't that bad either. Well, you got to think of it this way, I, and really, you got two teams that won the games they were supposed to win and lost the games they were supposed to lose, with the exception of Notre Dame. Um, and then when it, when you have when you have that, you really got to compare. Well, what's better, the Big Twelve or the ACC Coastal? Because right. Miami, take out Florida State, they didn't play any of the good ACC teams. They didn't no. play Louisville. They didn't play. Clemson. The ACC Coastal is a lot like the SEC East in the fact that who knows who's going to win that. It's not a great, greatly talented division. Um, you know, they have some decent teams, but I mean, most of the teams in that division are eight and four. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Virginia Tech happened to be able to, you know, surface above the rest as a, a not terrible team. Uh, you know, go, but they're nine and four, so they, they only had a nine and three regular season. Um, you know, is the Big 12 better than the S- the ACC Coastal? I don't think you could say that top to bottom, but I mean, we did beat Kansas State, we beat TCU, we beat you know Baylor. We we did beat uh, you know we we somehow managed to win a game in Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, we we demolished T- Texas Tech. So I mean, I don't know. I comparing well, these I mean, two teams is hard. I I just this is maybe me being a homer, but I just feel like our team has done and performed 
when you look at the ultimate level of performance, and that's when it comes to winning football games, we've done that better than Miami has this year. Yeah, and 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 hey Bart, you're a homer. That's okay. It's <laughs> it's this is the smoking musket I know, podcast. I know. Like this, it's okay. So I'm trying to be objective, but yeah. Yeah, I mean it's okay to be a homer. We're both like we're both clearly <laughs> West Virginia fans. It's a West Virginia podcast. <laughs> I mean, you never know. People who aren't Mountaineer fans could be listening. I don't know. Right. I don't know why. And and you know if. if Let's let's be honest. I'm sure uh, at the State of the U, which is that you know, which is their blog, if they do a podcast, I'm sure they're talking about like, well, you know, look at Skylar Howard. He sucks. Well, um, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that Skylar Howard, when he's bad, is bad, and that's what scares me is which Skylar Howard comes out. But I yeah. will say, I'll, I'll give this to Skylar Howard. I've seen him. This will be his third bowl game uh, that he has played. Um, his first one was the the Liberty Bowl down in, in Memphis, and he had a pretty decent first half. Turned very badly in the second half, but our defense even played good that first half, too. Um, he had a very, very, very good uh, bowl game last year in the Cactus Bowl. And if he can be anywhere close to that this year, that's what I want. But he can't be bad, Skyler. If he's bad, Skyler, I don't think we can... I don't. Uh, if he's bad, Skyler, Miami can score points, and, and that scares me. Mm-hmm. Where are your key? Where's your major key to this game? Where? What's the uh, biggest factor to West Virginia winning or losing? Um, I would have to say, can the running game penetrate the front seven yeah. of Miami? Because, um, and then the other kind of smaller thing is good Skylar versus bad Skylar. If we can't do anything against their defensive front. From you know, from a running perspective, then it comes down to Skyler. Is it good Skyler or bad Skyler? If it's bad Skyler, we might be disappointed. Right. If it's good Skyler, it'll be a game to watch. I'm not saying we're going to be on the positive end of it, but it'll be a game to watch. Uh, mine comes down to, I mean, literally touchdowns. We have got to score touchdowns. Um, we're we play a much faster pace than Miami, uh, and we should have more possessions this game, which means that Miami is going to probably have more possessions this game. But we've got to score touchdowns because Miami darn well knows how to get the ball in the end zone. So we've got to do it ourselves. Um, we've got to. We've got to. That's my yeah. key. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to make a prediction? Because I, I have a prediction, and it's pretty, it's pretty close. Miami's favored by just about everyone, and I, um, ESPN has them favored. S&P gives them like an 11-point edge, and Vegas has a line of Miami minus three. What's your prediction? I should put some money on West Virginia then. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, then, then you know, if we lose, well, then, then if we lose, then I'll be really upset. So, oh, um, um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna go West Virginia, thirty-five, Miami, twenty-eight. Okay. I have West Virginia at 37, Miami 35, which is a super close game. And me being there will be really, really not, I mean, I'll be stressing like no other. But I just, I feel like our running game is going to be able to break through eventually. And I think that will, if Miami tries to stop the run and commits to stopping the run, I think our passing game, downfield especially, is much better than what Miami has to offer. So I just I feel like they haven't seen our type of defense 
we're going to be able to slow him down just enough to be able to outscore him. Right. So that's what I think. Um, I think that the only thing that um, I would have to look forward to going into next season, um, if we get the win, would it be as would it be enough of a moral victory to be happy about it going into the off season? Um, oh, I and so. could I mean yeah, and I think so too. But you never know. You never know what's going on in the locker room. Um, would a shaky eleven and two record be something to be happy about? I think it would be, but you never know. So I think if if you're a ball player, you look at eleven and two and you go, that's pretty awesome. So. That's yeah. what I think. That's all for this first part of the uh, Smoking Musket podcast. This is episode 17 of the football season. Uh, and f- unfortunately, it is coming to a close. So, John, uh, you can take a break. I'm going to talk to Susan Miller-Degnan in part two, and we'll, we'll talk about Miami side of things. And then uh, you can join me in part three as we look ahead to West Virginia's opening of the Big 12 basketball conference play. Thanks for listening so far, and uh, join me in part two. Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, lay the rest to spill Me and Charlie at the bar, running up a high bill Nothing less than ill, when we dress to kill Every time the ladies pass, they be like Can y'all feel me? All ages and races, real sweet faces Every different nation, Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican Black, white, Cuban, or Asian I only came for two days to play it, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Party in the city where the heat is on all night, on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami, bienvenido Miami. Bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night, on the beach till the break of dawn. Bye, Godders. I am pleased to welcome to the podcast to talk about the Miami Hurricanes. Miss Susan Miller-Degnan, she is a reporter for the Miami Herald, the beat writer for the Miami Hurricanes football team. Um, Susan, I know you've been traveling today. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. It's, uh, it's beautiful in Miami, and it's actually beautiful in Orlando, too. Well, good. I'll be in Orlando next week, so I hope the weather stays uh, very nice. <laughs> I think it will, actually. I think we might luck out. I'm knocking on wood here in my hotel <laughs> Okay. So obviously, uh, you know, we're excited to play in a Florida Bowl game. I know um, it's been a while for us to make our trip back down there, but Miami, uh, how, how's the feel of the, the fan base right now going into this Russell Athletic Bowl? Um, well, I think, you know, the fan base really wants a victory right. in the bowl game um, because, you know, it's it's been so long. It's It's been 10 years. And um, that's pretty amazing when you think about it for the mm-hmm. Hurricanes program. And, you know, the last bowl they won was in 2006. They beat Nevada, and they barely beat Nevada in the uh, – in the. it was called the MPC Computers Bowl. It was in Bo- Boise on the blue field. And it was – and it, by the way, this it was snowing too. Oh, man. <laughs> I actually yeah, remember so, that game. I so, think I remember that game. Yes, exactly. And so it is so – you know, I think – people will be really upset if they lose. It'll be like, here we go again. You yeah. know, the same old stuff, ending the season with a loss is, is, is kind of a bummer, you know? So it would, it would feel a lot different. I think if, um, if Miami could end with a win. Well, you kind of mentioned the hard luck the program has fallen under. And a lot of that has, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that, but 
um, you hired this fellow named Mark Rick to come home and, and revitalize the program. And obviously, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, so I have a lot of um, experience with Coach Rick. But what has been the big difference or the big differences that he's brought to the program to bring it back to a more respectable level of competition? I, I think respectability, you just said respectable, respectability is one word. Um, you know, the man is, he's, he's, I guess he was an icon, right? At Georgia oh, yeah, absolutely. For a long, yeah, for a long time. Very and, and I, I know fans, I know, I know how fans are. I understand that, but, <laughs> um, he's definitely a, you know, a, a great coach as proven, you know, by his, by history. But, um, at least UM fans thought that when he got hired. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's, he's brought kind of a, a combination of a, of uh like a like a you know his personality like a calm sense of urgency <laughs> um you know he's he really wants to win and uh but he's he's a real uh you know calm um but confident kind of coach he knows the way he does it he knows how he wants to do it um he doesn't really give in to the players if he believes in something that's what he believes in but he's he seems kind of uh, gentle about it and the players I think seem you know they seem to really respect him and um, you know he's experienced he's a winner the last staff was just I mean the last staff was was just crucified mm-hmm. by uh, the fan base. I mean, Bart, it was horrible, <laughs> you know. And the de- the de- especially the defensive coordinator, yes. um, Mark D'Onofrio. I mean, it was it was really ugly at the end, and and it was really ugly for Al Golden mm-hmm. at the end too. I, I I actually we all kind of felt bad for those guys. So. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, it looks like Miami has been able to turn a page, but we'll we'll go to the past a little bit. Um, obviously, West Virginia and Miami have some history from the old Big East Conference, um, but looking at where the programs are now, it seems like Miami might be on the trend of having those superstar players, and that kind of falls uh, squarely on the shoulders of quarterback Brad Kaya. Um, yeah. What has his development been this year, and really since he came to Miami? Well, you know, you know, Brad was he was forced to play. He won the job, right? <laughs> but um, he he wouldn't have started if Ryan Williams, who who was you know going to his senior year and who was so patient waiting, okay, behind other quarterbacks, tore his ACL in the spring. It was it was really was a shame. It was sad and. And what happened was, you know, he, he wasn't, that was in the spring and he, he wasn't ready to play, I guess. They said he wasn't ready in the fall. And, and because of that, Brad got into a, you know, a quarterback competition and, um, you know, and he won. And the first year, you know, was a learning experience. He had, a, he had, a, he was ACC rookie of the year and he did great. Um, but the, uh, the, the second year last year was really great. He did had a really, really good year. And again, so a new staff comes and a new quarterback coach. And remember the, the, the well, the offensive coordinator for UM, James Coley was the man who recruited oh. uh, Brad. James Coley used to be with Florida state. And then, it, then he came to Miami and, 
Um, he was the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator for Miami. And, you know, Brad Kaya was very, he was under recruited, I guess you could say mm-hmm. he wasn't not many, if any people really recruited him. And, um, uh, maybe after Miami did, you know how that, that goes, mm-hmm. but, um, so he was very loyal to, to James Coley and vice versa. And, um, you know, so when Mark Rick came, I, you've got to a little, feel a little bit for Brad because now he has a new quarterbacks right. coach, even though the guy has, you know, that's what he's known for coaching quarterbacks. Um, and Brad, you know, he, he struggled a little bit in, in the beginning. Um, I don't know if it was the timing or, and I, and I don't think it was really just him actually. I think it was everything receivers. Mm-hmm. I think it was the line, but the four, the four, the four game losing streak that Miami had, he was sacked a whole lot. I, I can't remember how many times uh, in the middle four games when they lost, it had to be like a ton of times. I mean, right. he was sacked eight, I think eight times against Virginia tech maybe six times. I might not have exactly right against Notre Dame. Might've been like 18 sack. It was a lot in mm-hmm. four games. It was a ton. And you know, when that happened, then fans as fans sometimes are, especially in Miami <laughs> started turning, started turning on him. And, um, I, uh, you know, and I, and he, let's, and he got hurt. Brad was hurt. I mean, one he mm-hmm. got crushed in uh, the Florida State game, just crushed. I think it was the, the first offensive play, maybe. Um, and you know, he he hurt his knee in one game. He, uh, we thought maybe he, we weren't sure if he had a head injury. Oh, mm-hmm. he hurt his shoulder. Okay, he, he really hurt his shoulder pretty badly. Even though they didn't, they did not play that up. And mm-hmm. you know, Brad's a so. So now you got this season, and it's and then all of a sudden the last four games, um, I think Mark Rick worked with him. Um, he he's not mobile at all. Okay, yeah, doesn't run, <laughs> and um, he's uh, he, he needed he worked on his on his footwork. Mark okay. worked on his footwork with Brad, and with the the O line. I mean, a lot of this, you know, was the o, was the O line's fault. Yeah. Some of it was Brad not getting rid of the ball fast enough. Um, some of it was Brad, maybe his footwork. He need to, he, I think he, there was some stuff, you know, in the pocket and out of the pocket, but I, but the offensive line, you know, ha, there was a lot to blame there too. And UM lost its starting right tackle. I think it was, it was, it was the FSU game. He broke his lower leg or his ankle, mm-hmm. um, during one of those sacks, he just got rolled on really badly. His ankle went the other way, and this guy was a huge uh, Sonny Odagu, um, like a six foot eight, like a huge, he's he's a mountain of a kind of, of a guy, and he so he's out, and all these guys, as usual, were getting injured and and stuff like that. And but the the last four games, UM won, and Brad's you know Brad's looked great, mm-hmm. and then yeah, he's looked really really good, and now. Okay, he so he just become he just excuse me became UM's all time passer, which is you know saying a lot at a place, right? At a place yeah. that's had you know Bernie Kosar and and Jim Kelly and uh, 
and Vinny Testaverde and Gino Toretta. Um, so, you know, now after three years starting, so he's, I guess what I'm saying is he's, he's a, he's a battler. He's a, yeah. he's a, um, he's strong. He, he, he takes a licking and he, and he gets back up, but they've been protecting him better. They did some shifts on the offensive line, but Brad now he's close to 10,000 career yards. And um, yeah. And we think, I mean, I shouldn't say we think, I think he's, I think he's going to, um, enter the draft. That's yeah. He has, he hasn't said it, but I, I think he's going to, I mean, let's see what happens in the bowl game, mm-hmm. but I think that's, what's going to happen. You know? Well, he certainly has, I mean, from my perspective, he's improved and he's gotten a lot better. I mean, he, he threw for, um, what about 3,200 yards this year. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big number, but, uh, let's switch, let's switch gears a little bit. I'm talking here with Susan Miller Degnan from the Miami Herald. She covers, Miami football for the Miami Herald there. Um, defensively now, Miami has not faced an offense quite like West Virginia's. And what I mean by that is we have run the ball a significant amount of times. I mean, we've ran the ball 535 times this year, which is uh, about 130 times more than Miami has faced all season. Um, where do you okay. see Miami's uh, defense being the strongest? And where do you see Miami's defense being kind of the, the Achilles heel? Well, the, the funny thing is that, you know, like I, I said, the defensive coordinator was getting a lot of grief the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, Miami's defense uh, this year has been better than its offense. I mean, right. Miami's defense, has, you know, has been the strong point of the team. And uh, Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. has been amazing, outstanding. Um, and, I, I mean, it's it's – funny to say that three uh, freshmen true freshmen it's the only team in the in the nation the only team and i don't think i don't know if it's ever happened i don't know i bet you couldn't come up with a team that's ever in in the modern era as far as we can look back there's been no team with three true freshman starters uh from day one pretty much at um at at, at linebacker oh wow that's kind of amazing right yeah that is so, um, yeah, so I mean, that, and, and the thing is, they're, they're really strong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I, the linebackers are really strong. Their, um, interior guys are very good. They're defensive tackles. Um, they're, they've got a true freshman at, who comes in a lot. He rotates in. Okay. He's not a starter, but I mean, he's. He's really good, and his name is Joseph Jackson, mm-hmm. and he leads the country in sacks for a true freshman. Oh wow! Uh, and yeah. but he's a backup. I mean, they they you know they rotate in. I'm trying to think what they're you know what they're Achilles. They've got cornerback. They've got a guy named Corn Elder, um, who's you know is very good. I mean, he's really really good. Um, I, 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 wow, Achilles. They, I mean. I don't, I'm not sure I'd call anything an Achilles. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe the safety play a little bit, although the safety play has been pretty good too. It's just, it's just part that the other part has been so strong. I mean, Miami, for example, is, is 
Last year, they were 105th at 105 in the nation in team tackles for loss, and now they're sixth in the nation. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're, their scoring defense is 13th in the nation. They're 23rd in sacks. They're, um, you know, they have 11th in defensive in yards per play. They don't really, um, I don't, I think maybe, how about if I say depth? Okay. That they, they've had a lot of people injured. Okay. Um, they've had guys, they had two guys break their arms, a cornerback, who was a starter at his point broke his arm and he's back now. But I mean, they, they, the Notre Dame game and they had a guy break his um, arm uh, a defensive end and he's back now, but there was a point where there were so many guys injured. They've had knee knee surgeries and knee on the defense. Yeah. So the depth has been really kind of shaky. Okay. And I get, how about that? That's, that's <laughs> what I say, would say for defense. Okay. Well, I mean, for you guys, hopefully it's, uh, you know, the bowl season help or the, the bowl layoff helps. But I mean, obviously with broken legs and knee injuries, it's kind of hard to come back from that. Um, but, I, they I, have, but they have, but they're doing pretty well now. Yeah. They're, pre- they're pretty healthy. Well, yeah. one last question before I get you out of here. I thank you very much for your time. Um, obviously you're, you're in the Miami area. Um, I, I got to go down there for the orange bowl a couple years ago, but where is your favorite place to eat in Miami? Oh, oh. And that's um, probably the hardest question I asked you this. Well, I like Joe's Stone Crab. Okay. Everybody likes that on Miami Beach. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I love Miami Beach. Um, I actually live in Broward. Okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if you, I live a little bit north. I know but, where Broward uh, is, yes. You know where Broward is, is, right? I know okay. where that is. <laughs> but, uh. Uh, Joe's Stone Crab, and I mean, there are a lot of places on the beach. There's some really good Italian places, and uh, it's just it's it's a it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't know if I, I'm not sure if I really talk too much about it. going back to Brad. I have to go back and say that he's. I just want to say that I think UM would be a much better team next year if he came back. Yeah. I think UM would be like contending for um, for sure for the ACC. And, um, I think they'd be excellent if he came back and I think he'd also be better. Um, I, I, but I, I, I do understand why a kid like that would go pro. Right. Um, and I, I do think he has, he's better. I covered, um, all the way back. I covered the 2001 championship team mm. and Ken Dorsey was yeah. a great, right. A great college quarterback, but, uh, and he got drafted in the seventh round. Brad Kai is better than him. He has a oh, good wow. arm. Yeah, it's great timing, um, and I understand. And it's a bad year for quarterbacks, right? So yeah, I, yeah. even though he won't go in the first round, and some say he won't go in the second, I, I can understand him not wanting to get hurt and um, blowing it all, kind of, you know. So anyway, I wanted to put that in there. I didn't want it to make it seem <laughs> it's, uh, it's all negative. Well, I understand that. I mean, I, I think that would obviously be the case. Uh, an experienced, talented quarterback coming back to play for. You know, his final season would be greatly beneficial to the program. Or can I ask you something? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, so West Virginia, uh, I know the fans are not uh, too fond of, <laughs> of the Miami fans. <laughs> that, that is uh, uh, correct. <laughs> so what are they, what is their impression of this game? And, you know, what, like, what oh, man, I tell you, we've had a, 
so obviously on the on the the blog site smokingmusket.com we've had uh and our facebook page we've had a lot of different reactions we have a lot of fans who were felt disrespected by having to play um in this bowl game and especially against an eight and four miami team because you know we finished nine and we finished ten and two and they think we should have played in the sugar bowl but you know they don't understand how bowl allocation works i suppose um yeah, but then there's half of us, and I I would say these are the more educated fans who are really excited for this game for a couple reasons. Uh, firstly, obviously it's a my it's a you know it's a Florida bowl game, and if you're playing in Florida in December, you're do, you had a pretty good season. Um, you know we're excited to we're excited to get you know get back together with Miami and see if we can beat them for another time. It's you know we only got like three wins against Miami, so. Yeah, that'd be right. nice. Um, and then finally, this is a huge game for us, for, and I think our coaching staff knows this particularly. This is a huge game for recruiting purposes. We obviously oh, yeah. recruit heavily in the state of Florida, especially Miami. So if we could get a win over, you know, Miami, uh, a team who we recruit their backyard, front yard, and you know, sometimes even inside the house, um, you know, that would be <laughs> a huge that would be a huge victory. And you know, Miami is still a name brand program, so getting a win over a name brand program is is it's pretty clutch, no matter how it comes. No, definitely. I know Dana Holgerson loves to, to loves to recruit here. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? You know what else I think is kind of interesting, and then we will go, <laughs> so I can write another story here. But uh, I think it's like I know what you're saying. I, I mean, the the Mountaineers right are ranked 14th by the AP and 12th by the coaches, right? And 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 they're 10 and two. Um, and I think it's. But I think it's really interesting that Vegas, at least the last time I looked, okay, you might have looked since at least within the last week, that Miami was favored. Miami's by, favored by Vegas. They're favored by, by a lot of the, um, by the three, numbers by predictions. Like yeah. They were favored by three points. Yeah. And, you know, people say to me, Vegas always knows. So I, I think it's kind of interesting that it's just, it's wacky uh, it the is. way the way college football is, you know what I mean? One yep. team is, one team is eight and four, one team is 10 and two. Um, so it, this might be a really good game. Well, I know this has um, been projected to be one of the more entertaining games of the bowl season. And I truly, I mean, I truly hope it will be because I'll be down there as a fan. So, I, you know, I want to see something exciting. And I know for you as a reporter, it's a lot easier to <laughs> write a story about an entertaining game than it is a boring game. Uh, you know, yeah. and you get a lot more clicks on that. So, you know, for your but sake, I hope it's entertaining too. But Bart, the most important thing is that it's a fast game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for joining us here on the Smoking Musket Podcast. Um, at, where can we follow you on Twitter? Okay. You, this is going to be interesting. You can follow me at, um, at S. Miller Degnan. Now, S like Susan and then Miller. M-I-L-L-E-R, and Degnan is D like David, E-G, and then N-A-N, like the beginning of Nancy, right. at S. Miller Degnan. Okay. No one will ever get that. Uh, well, you know, our fans are not the worst, so maybe they'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay. obviously you can read her stuff uh, through the Miami Herald. She covers the Miami for Hurricanes football team. So again, uh, Susan Miller Degnan, thank you very much for joining us here on the Smoking Musket Podcast. Glad you made it to Orlando safely. Enjoy your time there and, uh, you know, enjoy covering the Russell Athletic Bowl. Thank you, Bart. Let's keep in touch. Yes, Take thank care. you very much. Thanks, you too. Again, by Godders, that was Susan Miller Degnan from the Miami Herald, who was gracious enough to share her time 
to come on with us on here at the Smoky Musket Podcast. Stick around and join me in part three as John Lowe rejoins me to talk about WVU basketball's upcoming conference schedule. They have a game against Oklahoma State on Friday, and we are going to look ahead to that. So stick around for part three. Hi, Goddard. Welcome back to the Smoking Musket Podcast. This is part three in which John and I are going to break down the upcoming Big 12 Conference opening games for the WVU Mountaineers basketball team. John, thanks for joining me again here in this part three to talk about this. The Mountaineers are 11-1 on the season so far. They are ranked 11th in the AP poll and 12th in the coaches poll. They have had a couple of decent wins in the non-conference schedule, but mostly we've just played some teams that don't really uh, amount to a whole lot of prestige. What are your overall thoughts as this non-conference portion of the schedule has uh, come to a close? Um, well, I mean, we beat subpar Illinois. We lost to Temple, who's kind of meh. Um, and we, we beat Virginia. Great win. That's a great win. But the only thing that that kind of scares me a little bit is the the and and, and another thing we we, we uh, Bob Huggins got his 800th against um, Missouri Kansas City yeah. on the 17th. But um, the thing that scares me a little bit is that the the momentum coming off of that Virginia win, I think it's kind of gone away. I, I think we we kind of put that away. We have put a bookmark in that. We kind of just. We, that that Virginia game is now in the stat sheet. That's and and that's all it is now. I, I feel like that Virginia game. It, it was just unfortunate that we had a whole bunch of these crappy games out after that, and now I think we're kind of. I don't know. I, like it, it just doesn't seem like it, maybe we're just playing to the level of our competition. But I, I just I, I'm not as excited about West Virginia as I am as as I was you know about a month ago. Yeah, I feel like we had a really huge win with that Virginia game that could have built a lot of momentum for the season. And since then, we haven't really been all that good. Uh, we beat Virginia back on December 3rd. You might remember having to watch that game, as well as the, the Baylor game. Uh, beat Virginia 66-57 to in Charlottesville. And then we, we played Western Carolina. Uh, pretty handily beat them 90-37. to Then we get VMI. Uh, Missouri, Kansas City, Radford, and Northern Kentucky, and, and kind of had up and down games in all three or all four of those. And again, it just felt like you just beat Virginia, huge win, and then you you have these five teams that are kind of, huh? <laughs> yeah, I I feel like if if you're gonna schedule a game like that, maybe schedule i mean because even if you lose you, you want to like maybe later schedule kind of a game that's you know doesn't have to be ucla or kentucky but you know get someone like george mason or 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 memphis or, or you know like a like a decent team I'm a not team saying that people to want to actually like see us play yeah a team and, that people and, have heard of 
Or Xavier. Xavier would have been great. Yeah. That, that, that'd be a great matchup. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... You, you lose the moment. Like, you can't keep that momentum going against Western Carolina and UMKC and Northern Kentucky. No. So, I mean, we, we gotta... We, we gotta... Shane Lyons has gotta get something done. We need to... I mean, we got Pitt, I guess, but we need to get some better non-conference games in December. You can't uh, rely on just having your little tournament uh, over Thanksgiving as being your only source of, you know, decent non-conference competition because then you get what happened this year and the one team that kind of maybe would have been good, Florida State, we end up not playing them. Uh, Temple, they're uh, up and down all season. Illinois is not very good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree with you. It's just like, why can't we get another team to come in? Like, give us one or two good conference, you know, non-conference games to play. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we let's face it, we, we're playing a whole bunch of teams out of one bid conferences. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, we're, yeah. You gotta, you gotta get some other teams on the schedule. They, I'm not saying they don't even have to. I mean, like, you don't have to play the perennial powerhouses. Just play like if you want to, you know, get the bottom of the Big Ten. Or the bottom of the Pac-12, or the bottom of the ACC, or yeah, the bottom play of Purdue, East. or play you know play Ole Miss, or or someone that you know at least, yeah, I, mean, I don't know, or or, or St. John's, yeah, or yeah, some you know, something like that. I would Georgetown. Like, I would like for the Big Twelve SEC Challenge to be on this side of Christmas, personally. I think it's stupid we have to play that game, that Texas A&M game, in the middle of our conference slate. I don't, yeah, understand, I don't understand yeah. why we can't. It's it's um, just so they can get Kansas and Kentucky to play each other later in the season. That that's I that's know. the reason that exists. I but, know, and it's stupid. I hate it. I yeah, um, but I mean we'll see. Um, and, and another thing that kind of makes me nervous is that some of the teams that we perceive to be at the bottom are actually good. And yeah, and, we'll talk uh, about like, two of those actually in this podcast because Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have decent records. And then you've got a team in Baylor that holy cow! Yeah, that yeah that that Baylor game will be a it, that'll be a game. It's a heck of a lot more interesting now. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's almost more exciting now than the Kansas game. Uh, yeah, that'll yeah. be a make or break game for the Mountaineers. Overall, I guess my big question before we start talking about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech is: What questions do we have answered about this team? Um. We we know who I I think we know who the the eight are. Um, it's Adrian Issa, um, you know all, all all the guys we thought they were going to be plus maybe Kanade and um, Kayvon Myers. Yeah, there we go. I'm sorry, <laughs> Elijah. I mean we we know who the eight man rotation is now. Right. We we know. What and that's to huge when it comes to a Bob Huggins team. I think we kind of knew who like four or five guys would be. But I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Like we know who our eight, our eight that we rely on are. Yeah, and now, now I got it. We got Adrian, Ahmad, Carter, um, Macon, Miles, Myers, Philip. Yep. Those are and and Kanade. Uh, those are the eight. Yep. Um, and, and and when you look at the stat sheet, you know they they're the ones who have the most minutes. Um, you know, from a point production wise, we've got a several players who have been contributing does it concern you that we don't have a, a go-to score yet or do you think we have one um i think what what 
I don't think we can get Jay Sean Page. I don't think we can get another Jay Sean Page. Okay, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's, I think that's what you were kind of referring to as a go-to score. Um, I think now we're, we're kind of moving into the direction we got to have everyone kind of take on that role a little bit. Um, so we're kind of looking more of a situation where we need to have Adrian in double figures. We need to have Carter in double figures. We need to have Philip in double figures. Um, you know, at least at least three or four guys yeah. that are around 15 points a game. Because we're never going to have another, I mean, uh, uh, barring something unforeseen, we're never going to see another Jay Sean Page that comes out every game and has 20 points. Right. Uh, Especially in a Bob Huggins system, like, we just have to understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's going to be a lot more team-oriented. Um, it's not going to be you yeah. know, one, or, one, one or two guys creating most of the points, whether it be through... You know, you know, easy layups or assists. It's it's not it's not going to be that way. Um, uh, do you have any other? I mean, what questions out there that this team? What questions have this team not answered? Um, in your opinion, I think the question is: Can we be consistent? Yeah. Can we be? Um, because it seems like we can get we can get a good West Virginia team or a bad West Virginia team any given game. Uh, um, literally in both halves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you just look at that Temple game. You know that that was that 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 Temple game is a microcosm of our team. Um, they can you know they can be great. Like that second half against Temple was amazing, but they, they that first half was awful. They 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 played like garbage. Same thing with uh, the Radford game. You know, Radford outscored West Virginia thirty-five to thirty-one in the second half. Um, I can accept that if we're playing George Mason or VCU or Georgetown. I cannot accept that against the Big South Power Radford. Right. Um, so I, I think we need to find some consistency. I think we need to find, um, or West, West Virginia needs to find a way to to kind of get a, get in a groove because I do not think West Virginia is in a groove. I don't think they're in a zone. Yeah. Um, where, where they where, where they're thinking consistently. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out over the first three games because the first three games of this Big 12 season look like they could really kind of be the measuring stick because, um, you know, Oklahoma State looks good and so does TCU. Um, yeah, let's, uh, my last thought about the non-conference slate, and I think this was what you said, is that at the beginning of the season, these games are going to be closer and it's because we don't really have we haven't stepped into that groove yet. We haven't found our, our true momentum and identity yet. Um, and I don't, I don't think we're going to – hopefully we find that over Christmas break uh, because, as you just said, we've got an Oklahoma State team coming up in our Big 12 Conference opener in Stillwater on Friday, December 30th at 4 p.m. Uh, they're 10-2. and two. They have wins over UConn and Georgetown, which are – you know, UConn and Georgetown might not be great, but they're name brands. And – whether we like to admit it or not, that plays a lot. I mean, you know, that plays a lot into how you perceive a winner or a loss. Um, so Oklahoma State has put together a pretty impressive resume so far in the first half of the season. Right, and um, and, and well, before I delve into that, I just want to applaud everyone who came to the Northern Kentucky game. That <laughs> place was loud. There were there was more than ten thousand people there. Um, and I don't know where they came from because more of the town is empty. But applause, applause, applause for, for being there. Um, but in Oklahoma State, they, I, 
look, I'm not going to count the Connecticut game. If Northeastern can beat Connecticut, then yeah. anyone can beat Connecticut. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, UConn is not <laughs> what it was when it won its national championship, what, two, three years ago now. Um, yeah. And they weren't even, let's be honest, they weren't even that great of a team then. They just got hot during the tournament. But, um, you know, it's still one of those, you recognize UConn. You see that name and it goes, oh, they beat UConn. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they beat UConn in Maui on a neutral court. I, I'm... Good for them for play, you know playing a brand name. Good for them you know for for being an, a, a a traditional power. I'm not gonna hold that to being a good no. win. So I mean our win is, uh, our Virginia win is significantly better than any win they have on their schedule. But the fact uh, remains, I, uh, George, well yeah, but um, Georgetown's good. I'm just saying us going to Charlottesville and beating Virginia is. The, the only, really the only thing that makes me hesitate about that, and I'm sorry to mean to kind of cut you off there, but yeah. um, Oklahoma State has a better non-conference strength of schedule. And sure, they don't have any great wins, but they have a lot of they, – they, I mean, right. they, they beat Georgetown, who is – you know, they're, 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 bubble, they're bubble out. They're not great, but they're on the bubble. Um, they, they played at Maryland at the Xfinity Center in College Park, and they lost by one. Maryland is yes. good. Maryland is a very good team. Maryland's a tournament team. Um, they w- won at Tulsa, which does not seem like a big deal, but Tulsa is a decent team. Hey, they're, I mean, they're planning a conference USA, you know, conference that gets multiple, they can get multiple teams in there. Tulsa can easily be one of those teams that makes it from Conference USA. And they went at Wichita State and beat them convincingly. Yeah. And Wichita State is, is, is another team that is always good, always in the conversation. So... Yeah, they did not beat a top 25 team. They did not beat a top 15 team. But they they have a lot of smaller successes. And that is what that, – that, that's dangerous. And, and the fact that they start out against West Virginia, who is an inconsistent team that kind of has lost some steam over the past three weeks at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, 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 it's a good scenario for Oklahoma State. Um, West Virginia needs to figure out who they are. Before Friday. Right. I want to correct myself. Tulsa's in the American. My bad. Whatever. Same deal. A conference that can put multiple teams in the, into the, play, into the um, tournament. But, yeah, same conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key here is that Oklahoma State has a lot of they, – they have definitely played better teams than we have. I mean, the, their UNC game was really bad, but they have played tough in a lot of other games. I mean, their two losses, UNC and Maryland – that's not bad. So, uh, especially with their coach, uh, a guy by the name of Brad Underwood, who, if you don't remember, was the head coach of Stephen F. Austin when they beat West Virginia uh, last March in the um, NCAA tournament first round when they you know, beat us as a, a huge upset. So, uh, clearly he's a good coach. Uh, he coached under Bob Huggins. Um, you know, uh, how good is he going to be in his first season? Well, he's put together, you know, 10-2 and two records so far, so he's got to be doing all right. Um, so it's, it's a tough, tough game to open up this conference schedule. And I don't think either of us saw that coming in terms of how good Oklahoma State was going to be. I, I didn't see it coming. I thought it would be – I thought they might make the NIT. You know, I thought they might get hot toward, you know, February. But, you know, their, their previous – games would have kind of weighed him down yeah uh, you know i thought they'd be like you know four or five seat nit team made it maybe almost all the way through it 
but I I did not expect them to be what what are they ten and two? I, I did not expect them to be ten and two uh, going into the Big Twelve play. I, I I thought that I thought the first three games in the Big Twelve conference schedule would be a cakewalk, and none of them are gonna they're all gonna be battles. Well. So. Especially, I, I do think what makes Oklahoma State so strong is this Jawan Evans kid. He averages 20 points a game. He scored 35 against UConn, 30 against North Carolina in that loss. But Evans is definitely their, their go-to player. He is a tremendous talent. And, uh, you know, it, it scares me when, they ha- when we play teams that have one guy who can go off. Yeah, I... Um... And and like I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't really, I, I haven't really looked at Oklahoma State, you know, by by the roster, by the player. Um, I, I just kind of, I watched them play uh, Wichita State, and that's that's about it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, how I watched that game, I don't even remember. But um, I mean, you also have uh, Forte. He 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 yes, played Phil Forte. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he he uh he I mean I we started I believe uh, against them at home last year in Big Twelve conference play and and he had a decent game so um, you know he they they got three guys that average double figures and we need to keep an eye out on them yes uh, and I think another thing that kind of adds into it as it would with any other you know basketball game it's over it's over you know the students winter break. I don't know how much that's going to play into it. It's on a Friday at four o'clock, um, or well, three o'clock their time. So I don't know how raucous of an atmosphere um, the Iba Arena is going to be. But West Virginia is a top fifteen team, so I mean, I'm sure people will yeah. to go to it. Well, so. uh, yeah, I mean, being being a Friday tip off, yeah, it might be, but I, it is hard to gauge where both teams, uh, their players are going to be because you know both of them just. Send them home for Christmas. They're coming back now, so it'll be interesting to see which team is ready to play. Um, obviously, again, this game is on Friday, December thirtieth, four p.m. on ESPN two. Uh, real quick, just you know, where do you, how do you see this one going? Uh, you know, where is West Virginia going to be able to beat Oklahoma State, and, and where can Oklahoma State hurt us? Um, well, first, I'm going to tentatively say West Virginia wins. Okay. Um, like I said, tentatively. Don't be surprised if it doesn't happen. Um, I think, uh, I, I think, like I said earlier, consistency. If if West Virginia, you know, has a fifteen point lead going into halftime and they kind of rest a little bit in the first ten minutes of the second half, then that's you know, we because I mean, there's really no one section of WVU's game that concerns me. It's just the I mean, the the foul line shooting is is, is inconsistent. That's but, true. Um. Other than that, there's really no one section of their play that's good or bad, or you know, the, or that you know that is that bad. So, um, I, I would just say, you know, kind of like coming out, you know, ready to play, no matter what the score is. You gotta, you gotta, you know, force these opportunities, and hopefully, um, West Virginia can come out and, and win this game because if we start out, I mean, we got. Three tough games starting out. If we go in against Baylor on a three-game skid, that that would be that that that, that could be season-ending. Um, yes. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I kind of 
I think where, like I said, what scares me is when a team has a, a guy who can really go off like, um, you know, like Juwan Evans ha- can, or, or really, they, like you said, they have three players who average double figures. Um, that, that to me is concerning because we're a good defensive team, but we do not have one guy who can pour in points like some other teams have. Um, but I do think that, you know, I've, if you apply pressure – good defensive pressure pressure to Oklahoma State it throws them out of their rhythm and obviously they're they're not playing the exact same style that we do but they are a team that relies a lot on on defense so good ball control can really um you know throw them out of their rhythm too so that'll be key is is how good Javon Carter can can run this offense um you know I I I don't think he's done uh, you know exceptionally well so far but I think he's done pretty good of running our offense uh, this season, so I think that we have a much more balanced team, but it's you know it's scary to me that um, you know they have this this one guy who can score a lot. Yeah, um, but I mean we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. On, yeah, uh... I mean it, it it scares me that this is the the first <laughs> game that we have to play in the conference because they they clearly have been a lot better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah, it's what I get for penciling in those as wins. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, that game, Friday, December 30th, 4 p.m. Now let's shift our attention as the Mountaineers will return to action on Tuesday, January 3rd, with a game in Lubbock uh, against Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are 11-1 this season, surprising a lot of people in the first season uh, under Chris Beard. Um, you know, Texas Tech has been... I don't want to say sneaky good, but they got 11 wins. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not really that impressed with their non-conference schedule, but I'm not impressed with our non-conference schedule either. Right. So, um, you know, they they lost at Auburn, um, which is that's that's only they lost at Auburn by two. Yeah, and, and I'd have probably, yeah yeah I mean, the, the and then uh, I'd have to say they're probably their best win is at Richmond, um, which I caught bits and pieces of. Um, they, they went to Richmond and beat him by seven and one of the Richmond players got injured. It was a mess. It was a messy game. Huh. Uh, and, um, like he, yeah, like one of the Richmond players got carted off on a stretcher. Like oh, it was, it was oh, wow. yeah, it was bad. Um, but Richmond is not good at all. Like even by Atlantic 10 standards, they're not good. Um, so like, I don't know how much of this is just poor scheduling because Texas tech like I'm not getting hurt on them for having a poor schedule because they they need these easy right, games. Right, right, right. <laughs> they're not tradition. They're not traditionally a good basketball team, at least not since Bob Knight left. Um, they weren't really that good under Tubby Smith. So surprisingly, not. Yeah, um, but you know they 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 uh, and they they start off on Friday as well. They start off um, after our game. Actually, they start off at Iowa State. Um, so. That'll be a game to watch, um, yeah. and of course, I understand. You know, you're probably going to watch the Orange Bowl instead, but yeah, kind of, kind of keep an eye on it because um, I think what they do against Iowa State will kind of show like how good are they really, right? Um, but they they are a, more of a team. Def like they they really define a team because they have. Well, I think five or six guys that average double figures a game. Yeah, they got five guys, uh, or excuse me, six guys in uh, over 20 minutes a game, and five of those are in double figures. 
So yeah, they they their stat sheet looks a lot like ours in that you have a lot of guys playing a lot of minutes, a lot of guys contributing to the point production. So from that regard, you know, being they're deep. They are deep. Yeah. And um, that's something we have always had. I mean, I feel like that's our biggest advantage is we run a lot of guys in there, but so does Texas Tech. So, you know, that might be a nullifying factor for them. Yeah, and, um, you know, the fact that it's there, um, that, that'll be another yeah. thing to keep kind of keep an eye on. Like that's, that's one thing I always kind of go to. You know, what 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 is the atmosphere like? If you're playing in an empty arena, then it's going to be like a neutral setting. Right. No matter where it is. So, um, you know, I can't imagine – I mean – Texas Tech isn't rowdy on its big games, so I don't know how how big of a home advantage they'll have. Um, like I said, students are gone, so um, yeah, that's I'm, true. I mean, I'm assuming their their class schedule is similar to WVU's. Um, so <laughs> I think um, st- I think they are still gone if I if I remember correctly. But you know, I'm, I mean, we we don't come back until the ninth. I so know we, it's weird. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not complaining or anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I, I think, I think West Virginia wins more easily here, just okay. because Texas Tech is untested. They're, they're an untested team. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I think they'll be. I think they will be an NIT team. I think they will. Um, they won't be able to get through the conference schedule as easily. I think they'll upset a team or two. I don't think that'll be us. At least not. Yeah. M- maybe. Um, I think they'll beat maybe Baylor okay. uh, February. Um, I think they might beat uh, Iowa State, and also in Fe- like I, I think they'll get a little warmer in February. But I don't think I think they'll win just enough to have a plus five hundred record. Okay. Well, now, I mean, yeah, uh, they're eleven and one right now, so that means they've got to go what? You know, they've got to win ten games, eleven games in the conference. Yeah, I mean, uh, what was a thirty-one game schedule? Yeah, they got to yeah. win at least ten. Ten, yeah. Okay. And I think they, I think they can split against teams like uh, you know, Kansas State and Oklahoma. Yeah. Because Oklahoma, Oklahoma is low key bad. They have not. I thought they would be better this year than they are. Yeah, and they got LSU in the SEC challenge. So I, LSU yeah, is. They LSU wasn't even good with Ben Simmons. So. Well, I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I think they'll you know looking at Texas Tech, I think they'll do enough to get at least into the NIT. But you know, I I, I think um, West Virginia coming home, you know, after you know our, the, the students' winter break, I think they'll possibly be two and zero, maybe one and one. Yeah. So that would make us what? That make us thirteen and one or twelve and two. So. Um, I mean, well, we'll see. I mean, this this is this is when we figure out how good we really are. This because is, this is where we figure it out because we've got a conference. You know, we finally get into some conference, uh, you know, conference games. Now, I will say for me, what concerns me about Texas Tech is that they have been able to shoot the ball pretty well, including forty percent from three. So we don't want to get into a three point shooting contest with them. I'm not saying they're great at it, but they seem to be decent at actually shooting the ball. Um, now they did have 11 turnovers in their loss to Auburn. So if we can capitalize on their, uh, sometimes inconsistent ball handling, we might be able to limit the amount of shots they have, which obviously is the key of Bob Huggins, uh, defense. But I think that would be the best way to neutralize their, their decent offense is to clearly put some pressure on their ball handlers. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the Bob Huggins scheme right there. So I think, you know, obviously the way we play basketball uh, does allow us to do everything you're supposed to do against a team who's a decent shooting team. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and that's that's another thing we haven't really brought up yet um, today tonight is turnovers. Yeah. Um, and and what they they'll be able to do to force turnovers against Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. I, I I'm led to believe that Oklahoma State's a little bit more buttoned up um, than the teams we played in the past. I don't know if they're more buttoned up than Virginia, but. Um, and then they average 14 turnovers a game. Yeah. So eh, we'll see. Um, you know, I like I said, I can't really. After all of the games we've just played, and you know, for, like for all we know, Virginia could have been a fluke. So, um, you know, just trying to look at it objectively, we don't really know what's going on. Right. Well, so. it's concerning to me that we're averaging a little over 10 po- turnovers a game from our point of view, because I feel like as we get into conference play, that that number is just going to go up. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like that's clo- a lot more close to average. And I think if we're at least average there, I think we'll be okay. Okay, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Ten, point, 10 turnovers a game isn't terrible. My concern is those 10 turnovers a game came against teams that, you know, we really shouldn't be turning the, we shouldn't ter- be turning the ball over against that much. That's, yeah. you know, that, that concerns me. So, I don't that's know, but tr- we'll see. But I, I, I don't know. That's just me. I feel like 10 or less is, like, natural sloppiness. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and plus, you also got to think of the kind of guys we're putting out there. You know, we're putting the younger guys out there, and this if they're true. averaging this 10 turnovers, that's, that's okay. I, I don't have a breakdown of when our turnovers happen, so that's that's probably true. But, um, I mean, I keep know. in mind, like, to kind of give you a comp- – to get our listeners a comparison of what the media actually thinks of both these teams, um, Joe Lenardi, Bracketology, he had a he, – he brought up – or he put, put out another one on Thursday um, – Bracketology. He has Oklahoma State as an eight seed, and he has Texas Tech as a bubble out. Yeah, and those um, are with a ten and two and an eleven and one record. So yeah, I mean they're not even getting really any looks from the the rating system. So I think I think what that's a good point that you bring up is the quality of team they're looked at. Yeah, as as they're perceived. Yeah, um, they they have uh, yeah like like I said uh, bubble out. The, the, I kind of elaborate on Texas Tech. They don't have them as the first four out. They have them as the next four out. Yeah, bubble out, meaning like they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Nit. Um, so which would we'll be a, actually a decent season for Texas Tech, to be quite honest. If they could get in the nit and make some noise, that would be good for them. That'd yeah, be great for it, Chris Beard in his first season there. Good first step. Good, yeah, good yeah, first yeah. Step in a, it's it's a rebuilding process. Absolutely, and that'd be a good first step. Um, and also TCU, and I, I just want to talk to him briefly because I know we're going to talk to him about him next week. Um, they have TCU as a 10 seed, and TCU has a couple of wins against Washington back-to-back. Um, and Washington usually has NBA talent. Yeah, not saying they can do anything. Yeah, not, I'm not saying they can do anything with that NBA talent. You know, They recruit decently. Yeah, Lorenzo Lamar is a good recruiter. He's just yeah. not a good coach. Um but hey, we'll see. and they, and they uh, I watched them play SMU, um, you know, which is SMU is a raucous atmosphere. Hey, well, um, TCU again, another you know, eleven and a one, another yeah. eleven and one team. Yeah, I mean, and they have they have a slightly tougher schedule than Texas Tech. They they have yeah. some. They have Illinois State on there. They have Washington twice. They have uh, Arkansas State on there. Arkansas State, if you don't know, they went to Georgetown and beat Georgetown. So. Um, you know that that could play out to be a good win. So they 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 have a decent schedule. 
coming into Big 12 play, and uh, they they play uh, Kansas. Um, they 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 host Kansas on Friday. So uh, you know they 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 were they they were able to beat Kansas a couple of years ago. Maybe they'll and I think this team is arguably better than that team yeah. that they beat Kansas a couple of years ago. Um, so we'll see. Well, again, we'll just I'll wrap it up. Uh, again, the two games that we just previewed um, to start West Virginia's Big 12 conference basketball play. Oklahoma State on December 30th, that's this Friday at 4 o'clock, and then Tuesday, January 3rd at Texas Tech at 9.15 p.m. Uh, both of those are on one of the ESPN network games. Um, I think the Oklahoma State game is on ESPN2, and ES- the Texas Tech game is on ESPN News. Um, quickly looking at the conference standings heading into the conference play. Now, this is not to say, like, this is who the best team or whatever is in the conference, but just kind of giving you a shakedown of where teams have performed or how teams have performed going uh, through their non-conference slates. Baylor at 12 and 0 has been the surprise of the the Big 12. Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia are all at 11 and 1. Oklahoma State at 10 and 2, and then you have Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Texas at 6 and 3, 6 and 5, 6 and 5. So. I know that it does have a lot to do with who you play, but Oklahoma and Texas look to be n- not very good. I am very unimpressed with Texas. I yeah. thought they would be better. And this is why I was kind of upset with um, – because I, I think I've said it at least three or four times before. I'm a VCU fan, and when Shaka Smart left, I thought, oh, great, he's going to just be the next guy. Right. Um, and this that's what it looks like. He's just going to be the next guy because they lost to Northwestern and Colorado and UT Arlington – and Michigan and Arkansas. Yeah. And, you know, at face value, most of those losses don't seem that bad, but Arkansas is not good. No, Arkansas is not good. Michigan is meh. Colorado is decent-ish, I guess, and Northwestern is bad. Yeah. And they got crushed by Northwestern. So I I just don't I'm, – yeah. I'm not impressed with Texas. And Oklahoma um, – I just expected them to be better. I really did. I thought they're, they would – yeah, that six and five doesn't include the games they almost lost. They yeah, almost lost true. to Abilene Christian. They almost, I mean, they're, they're, they're. Ron yeah. Kruger's got some coaching to do. He's got to coach those boys up. That's all I'll say. I mean, I'll say. I mean, they lost a lot of people. They lost yes. Buddy Heald. I yeah. believe they lost. Um, uh, he was related to the the Texas Western player. I don't remember what was his name. Latin, Latin. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Latin. They lost Latin. Those are two. Those were two great talents, obviously. And and basketball, when you lose talents like that, they're very hard to replace. But I just expected more. Yeah, but like I mean, they they almost lost to Tulane. They almost yeah. lost to Clemson. They almost lost to, um, I believe, Northern Colorado. So, and they lost to Memphis. And Memphis isn't that good either. So yeah, you're right. But you know, we'll see. Well, uh, you know, if Baylor can surprise, so can any of those teams. This is true. Well, yeah. that's all I have uh, about Mountaineer basketball. Uh, we will return to talk about this next week, kind of recap the games we just played, and look forward to the weekend of action uh, for the next weekend. So, John, uh, any last thoughts about WVU basketball before we close out here? Uh, Elijah Macon, you are hilarious. Or no, that was Nathan Adrian. <laughs> Nathan Adrian is hilarious, yes. Nathan Adrian with his golden locks carrying Elijah Macon off the court. Everyone got a good laugh. And good for you, sir. (laughs) Well, for John Lowe, I am Bart Keeler. Again, please make sure to uh, follow us on all the good channels. Find us there at Smoking Musket. And visit www.smokingmusket.com. 
This has been the Smoking Musket Podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, goodbye, buddy. Hope you find the chat. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.